The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast, your Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. And we are talking today about another defeat for Manchester City. Three defeats in four, back to back in the Premier League. This is what supporting City used to be like. And then we've become obviously used to all these uh, winning runs and Premier League titles. But uh, it was uh, 1-0 at Arsenal, another deflected goal in the dying minutes to give Arsenal the win. Rather than City will be dissecting what happened, what went wrong, if anything, um, and where that leaves City in the title race. Joining me, Joe Bray, is Simon Baikowski. Si, how's it going? Good. Feels like it was only hours ago I was uh, <laughs> sitting next to you, Joe. Well, we had a train journey back and we basically gone through everything. We yeah, we should, just, talk about. we should have just hit record, shouldn't yeah. we, on the, on the way back. That would have been... Maybe that's it, yeah. Future. You know, yeah. Nice for all the, the passengers on board as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, the uh, the opposite table will, won't need to listen to this because no, 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 they've got all of our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone will need to listen to it anyway because it's just going to be a lot of. Well, yeah, yeah. it happens. So this uh, is it because a lot of the headlines this morning are City are rubbish and uh, you know Arsenal have really got one over on them, but it wasn't quite like that, was it? I've been am- I've been amazed at the headlines. Yeah, um, so like described in one national as like a something like an all-time stinker for city mm. it was like you know when like you have to go back and sort of watch the game again yeah. and check the stats again and mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like there's been like loads of sort of analysis of city's stats and like yeah they only had four shots which is the lowest City have ever had under Guardiola. It's the lowest that Guardiola's had since 2010. But, like, Arsenal had 12, mm-hmm. but City produced more threat, more expected goals with their four than Arsenal did with their 12. So if you're going to go on about how, like, how rubbish City were in attack, you've kind of got to say, well, Arsenal were technically worse, but in reality, just as bad. We both sat through 90 minutes, which were really pretty boring <laughs> David Rye didn't have very much to do Edison had even less yeah. to do um, so it was a nothing game decided by a scrappy goal that wasn't going in until it took a massive deflection off Nathan Ake and yeah it sounds like a real cop out to be like well it's football it just happens and when we're all like dying for a good quote in the press conference and Pep comes out with like it's football when he does you're like, oh, come on, give us something better. But it, like, genuinely, it, it is. Could have gone, City could have drawn, City could have won. Arsenal ended up winning. Like, fine, 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 fine margins. That's it. I think if Nathan Ake's shot in the first half goes in or falls to any other player, yeah, City go ahead. If Alvarez's 
closing down of Raya, if that goes in rather than the side netting, completely different game. Arsenal just got the look and I think they deserve a bit of credit for hanging in there to make sure that that look counted. But They do, they do yeah, but like we're talking about like the second best team in England last year. Like if, if City had played Oldham and Oldham had restricted Erling Haaland to 0.00 XG, then we'd be saying, wow, really good from Oldham and like what's Haaland playing at and what's City playing at? But like, it should be a really tough game. Haaland like, shouldn't get 10 chances to score yeah. a goal and City shouldn't kind of steamroll them in the way that they did in April. So, like, you know, loads of credit to Arsenal, yeah. but Arsenal are a very good team who should yeah. expect to win the game. We're not, like, talking about some competition winners. Or... It did feel like one of those games where it's two very good teams just trying to figure each other out. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you like you know it was unfortunate for City that that really good chance fell to Nathan Ake, but say it wasn't unfortunate for City that the only player they seemed to have who had time on the ball was Ruben Diaz because that was like deliberate from Arsenal to be like we don't mind him having time on the ball because his kind of attacking play isn't good enough and it wasn't good enough to sort of create any real chances. So that is Arsenal catching. City out, City did it plenty of times with Arsenal. Arsenal kept trying to play over the top, like trying to catch City out for pace and Ake and everyone else just hoovered the ball up. It, it was just like, we were sat there just like these teams are cancelling each yeah. other out. It was a nil-nil game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a nil-nil game. A nil-nil game with a, with a goal, Yeah, with a deflected goal. And I was writing how it wasn't perfect, but they solved various problems and they're looking like going forward they'll be better for having players playing in different positions and they looked like they were better in defensive midfield without Rodri until the goal and then suddenly it's well they can't cope without Rodri because they've yeah. lost three out of three when he's not yeah. there and it required a little bit of a rewrite but I think the goal has changed how people are looking at the game when realistically it was just Arsenal lost twice to City last year and now they've probably caught them up a little bit and are equaling them out. But as Guardiola said, last year City had less control at the Emirates and won. This time they had more control and lost. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. It's kind of like, it would be really interesting to see had City got a point. Mm -hmm. Because then it would be Arsenal have not beaten City despite City being without Rodri, Kevin yeah. De Bruyne, John Stones. They've never had a better chance to beat City and they've not. And they nearly didn't. So yeah. it... You know, you could say, if you wanted to, that like, oh, the result was coming and City obviously got a bit of luck with Kovacic not being sent off. And you could say Arsenal deserved that victory then. And, you know, there are big problems at City, but I, I don't think it reflects the reality of, of the game. And, and cherry-picking statistics sort of doesn't give any kind of accurate analysis. And I think Guardiola's a bit more concerned against Wolves given the manner of that defeat rather than Arsenal. And it's, I mean, they faced Arsenal twice now this season, almost identical goals to late on. It was a draw in this community shield and then Arsenal won on penalties. But it's not like Arsenal have cut them open a lot in these two No, games. no, no. You know, there was a half-time change at Wolves, wasn't there? So yeah. Guardiola was like really unhappy with kind of the way things were going and his kind of first go, if you like, at replacing Rodri. Uh, whereas this time he wasn't, um, even with like Kovacic should have gone, 
you know, he was asked in the press conference if he thought about substituting him at half time and he was like, no. <laughs> you know, he's good with the ball, so he stayed on. Um and yeah, it just kind of it there were three subs, weren't the Doku came on to have a bit of a go and Nunes came on and um it was you know, Guardiola was kind of content enough with how it was going to to make those subs. Because the thing we've all seen when he's like trying desperately to hang on to a result or he doesn't yeah. have any faith in the bench, then he doesn't make any subs. But the fact that he made subs kind of signalled that, yeah, it was nil-nil, last 20 minutes, why not have a go? Yeah. Or more of a go. It didn't really work out. But like, again, sometimes these things don't. And it worked against Leipzig, he brought on Alvarez and Doku and they get a goal and assist each and it yeah. didn't quite work at Arsenal. You mentioned the Kovacic red card that wasn't... Let's start with the first one, the one that went to VAR. He got a yellow card. Should it have been red? Um, I don't think there would have been any complaints if it was red. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked nasty, certainly on yeah. the replay. Um, I think... So the, the Michael Oliver gave it a yellow card yeah. and the the VAR having reviewed it um agreed with Michael Oliver that it was reckless but only didn't think it was a clear and obvious error to give a red card, mm-hmm. didn't think it was worth taking him over to the screen to have another look at it. So they were confident that he'd seen what he thought he'd seen. Um so I think had he given a red card, I don't think they'd have overturned no. it because I don't think not at all. Um, but that is just one of those refereeing decisions that went City's way. Um, although it's one of them, I feel like it's the correct interpretation of the rules. But having seen like Curtis Jones yeah. last week and things like that, people will say, "Where's the consistency?" Um, although you know, let's get into the the women's game if we want to talk refereeing <laughs> and consistency. But um, I think the second one. Like minutes later, obviously nowhere near as bad a tackle, but it's bad and it's late and it's the tackle that you should not be making when you're on a yellow card and it is a second yellow every day of the week. Yeah, so we've seen some pretty foolish second yellows this week. Yeah. And that was one where you're just thinking, what are you doing diving in? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I hate the, the phrase orange card, but that first one was probably on the border between yellow and red. So yeah. Yeah. To dive in like that was very, very risky. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite as stupid as putting your hand around someone's throat, but no. it it should have brought the same result um, and City should have been down to down to 10. It was like just brainless from, from Kovacic, really. I think the only defence I'll give him is that after the Curtis Jones one and was it Malo Gusto for Chelsea, everyone was saying that's not a red. And... The referees were getting criticised. Yeah. So do we give the referees a little <laughs> bit of credit for saying actually let's we've listened to the, the yeah 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 perhaps yeah and it, it's hard in it because you know they could have let Michael Oliver go and have another look at it but then yeah. that slows the game down for a, another minute ninety seconds and they're and he looks at like really slow motions for, and yeah. they're under pressure not to show you know people want to. People don't like the fact that slow motion makes things look worse. So does he look at real-time replays? Yeah. Or, And if at the end of it he says, no, that's exactly what I thought, decision stays, then is everyone like, why have we wasted two minutes? We, we complain about everything <laughs> is, the, is the short answer. But it is a good point that um, 
you know, if you, we want consistency, but we also want referees to yeah. kind of learn from their mistakes. And I think forgetting when you think that should have been a red card or not, he did referee the game quite well. Like when, when Kovacic dives in the second time, he immediately said no. Yeah. He made it very clear he shut down any sort of dissent. I don't think the referee was sort of played an impact on the game where, where they clearly have in recent big, no. big fixtures. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was um, controlled pretty well, kind of largely helped by the fact that um, there was sort of no goal mouth action or no yeah. real kind of issues to to speak of. But yeah, we, we should say well done to the refs when they they have control of a game. Especially after the week that they've had. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's yeah. a, a good process, let's say. Um, a bit of a new system. We had, well, we saw the, the team sheet come out and we thought, okay, Rico Lewis has kept his place, deserved after Leipzig. Uh, Bernardo's there he'll go on the, the wing Lewis will be midfield Alvarez will be behind the striker but that isn't how they lined up it was sort of Lewis as the number 10 Alvarez coming in off the right Bernardo in defensive midfield did that work? Yes and no I feel like it was the primary reason why City were disjointed in attack Yeah, because I think moving Alvarez and Bowden away from the middle where they've been close to Haaland you know like City battered Arsenal in April by just knocking it up to Haaland and him heading it on for Kevin De Bruyne to mm-hmm. sort of run on and score now there was kind of no one as close to Haaland and certainly not in the central spaces where Alvarez and Foden have had good starts of the season both of them and um, they really struggle to have the same impact I think think um but it it kind of well it, it worked in the arsenal didn't create anything yeah so don't know what did you make of it well i was i was i saw lewis in the team sheet and i think right well the, the idea will be to get him in those sort of inside right channels as he did at, at leipzig and we didn't see that because he was playing a bit closer to to harland he didn't have a bad game did he rico lewis but I'm, no, I'm no, not no. entirely sure it was the right game for him, but then you can't really drop him after how well he played against Leipzig. I, I like Bernardo Silva in that defensive role, and I think that makes sense to play him there, given that you, you haven't got Rodri, and you couldn't play the same Foden and Lewis partnership without Rodri because they don't have that sort of tactical awareness between them yet, which is understandable. Um, I think Was it Guardiola said that he just wanted to put as many players in the middle as possible? Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. again, is understandable and you sacrifice the width for that. But, um, yeah, again, you, you probably have to credit Arsenal a bit by keeping that sort of midfield battle quite tight. They've got Rice, Erdegaard, Jorginho for the first half. It was it was just, I think they just cancelled each other out and if they had Rodri, it would have been an entirely different game. It was a, in one sense, it was a strange game, but in other, it kind of followed the path of, previous meetings yeah. between the two like especially it was basically like the game last February at the Emirates but without the sort of goal mouth action but City would have a spell on top then Arsenal would have a spell on top then City would come back then Arsenal would it didn't feel like you know any one side or any one midfield was particularly dominating the other um, you know I thought Odegaard played well I thought Rice was okay I didn't think he was kind of like 
I didn't really notice him, but I suppose no, his job was that to... That is the job, yeah, but... To not be noticed, but also help Saliba out and keep Haaland quiet and... Yeah, um, but, you know, there were... I, I thought Lewis had kind of an important run in the second half that kind of helped City get back control of their game and sort of go on the the offensive a bit more. It, it was... It, yeah, there was... There were momentum swings, but not great momentum swings because they weren't. Neither side was creating chances. Hmm. So, yeah, it, you you credit the teams and you credit the the two setups. Um, but it, 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 it's just a weird game to talk yeah. about. I think just because if any team was going to win it, it was going to be a, a lucky deflected goal like that or a moment of genius or yeah it wasn't going to be a sort of a free-flowing move because neither team put that together in the whole game and I think I said last night if I mean City came away two years ago and Rodri scored that goal in the dying seconds and maybe they didn't deserve it yeah and then Arsenal have got this one late on and probably didn't deserve it either but yeah it's it's not the uh, disaster that we're talking about what was Pep saying at full time he was pretty calm wasn't he and he was yeah, he was very calm. Yeah, um, you know, he said it's a long, it's a long season. One interesting thing that he did say on a few of the broadcast interviews he did was that, um, you know, maybe City need to be behind to kind of stir them a bit. And that I feel like that is the kind of one or one of the main takeaways from the game. You know, Guardiola's often kind of wondered or worried about how his team will respond to success. And having won the treble last season, the big question is there, how do you bounce back? Everyone expects a drop-off. Everyone expects a drop-off when you win the league. When they did last season, they sort of tumbled a bit, not much, but you know, these things uh, happen. So it is kind of interesting that it's still there for Guardiola, just thinking mm-hmm. maybe we do need a bit of adversity to, um, you know, really, hit our stride because the other thing to say is as much as like they played as well as Arsenal yesterday is they've not really played that well this season no like a number of times where you've thought yeah that they're not gonna get the points here and then they have done um you know like conceding late to Sheffield United or uh Fulham they sort of got a bit of luck with that Nathan Ake decision and um it hasn't felt like they've played well but They've been top of the league and, you know, they're, what, two points off the top of the league now. So, obviously, you don't want to go 10, 12 points behind. But mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that Guardiola was thinking, you know, maybe not being top of the table, having not played well, is not the worst thing because we're not kind of suckered into thinking how brilliant we are. We don't have to do anything and we can win this league. Well, that will tie in nicely for part two where we're talking about the... City's three defeats in four, back-to-back in the Premier League, and apparently now that's a good thing. So join us again <laughs> in a minute after the after the break, and we'll uh, be discussing what's gone wrong in the last week or so. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We've discussed and debriefed the Arsenal result, and now we're looking at a little bit of a wider picture They've had 
three games without Rodri, three defeats, one game in the middle against Leipzig where they won, but three defeats out of four isn't what we usually expect from City. It's back-to-back defeats in the Premier League for the first time since 2018. It's Is it a problem? Because I would say that all three of the defeats have come with a caveat. There was lots of changes against Newcastle and Newcastle won the game when they brought on two very good players and, and only just won the game by 1-0. Wolves did a job on them and by their own admission couldn't do that every week and just caught City on, on an off day. Arsenal away is always going to be a difficult game. It's not like they've lost three three games to three really poor teams. Yeah. I, I tell you what, if it's a problem, it's nowhere near <laughs> as big a problem as it was in December 2018 when they lost those two games. Yeah. Uh, it was Palace at home and then Leicester away. And uh, I remember the, the team arrived at Leicester having lost like awful performance at home to Palace. And, and then they arrived, it was just after Christmas and sort of you see the team arrive and you're like, there's no Fernandinho. <laughs> there's no Fernandinho. And you think, how are they going to manage without Fernandinho? And, uh, and they didn't. And then I think they were like eight points behind. So Liverpool had made the best start ever in Premier League history or close to that. And you're thinking, it's... It's going to be too far. And they, of course, they played them in January. Uh, I think it was the next game and beat them. And that proved important in them getting 98 points, beating Liverpool to not, who had 97. Um, but there, you know, you couldn't really see how City would cope without Fernandinho. And they had other problems like Kyle Walker was dropped and other kind of issues. Um, and they turned it round and they don't seem to have as big issues um, this time. Like you say, important caveats. Um, we sort of, I sort of dispute the idea that they're too reliant on Rodri mm-hmm. um, because, because we just don't know. Like it's not, they're certainly not too reliant on the fella that puts his arms his hands around someone's throat. Like when we talk about how good Rodri is, yeah. you sort of have to ignore the the performances where he, he does something like that. But also like, yeah, they can't cope without Rodri, but also when they've not got De Bruyne or Stones, like if Stones had been fit and playing as he was yeah. in the Champions League final, he could have come in on his own and played in that Rodri role and probably been very, very good. So he didn't really notice Rodri was missing. Mm-hmm. If De Bruyne had been fit, someone else could have played in that role and De Bruyne's presence and ability might have masked more the fact that um, Rodri wasn't there. If Nunes or Kovacic had been six months down the line and more versed in what is expected of them at City, it might have been a different story as well. Or they all might have been fine already and Guardiola just got his tactics wrong. Mm -hmm. Could be, could not, but we, we, we just don't know is is the answer like we thought it's going to be a massive miss for Rodri and it has we say three losses without him probably two because he wouldn't have played the Carabao Cup either Um, so it is two losses I'm with you I think the Wolves one is worse than the Arsenal one really Um, and and he will be back against Brighton so again it's kind of like problem solved it's not like like I say, five years ago when it was like, how do they cope without this guy? It's like, oh, yeah, this guy's back next game. I do think he's 
probably lucky in a sense that they have lost three in a row. And I'm talking about Rodri because we've seen players get sent off stupidly in the past. I'm thinking Cancelo and Walker and they've been out of the team. Yeah. And in Cancelo's case, didn't really get back in. Rodri is a different case, but he might have worried that he would get the same treatment. I don't think Guardiola can afford to leave him out when he comes back because he just, I mean, we saw against Leipzig, he's got such a calming presence and keeps that team ticking. Um, but I also think Guardiola's used these games to try something different. He's not just played Phillips three games in a row. I don't think Phillips did badly against Newcastle, but he didn't do anything particularly amazing. He tried sort of Kovacic and Nunes against Wolves, but it didn't quite work. And Nunes was getting a lot of grief from the stands. And then he's tried sort of Bernardo and Rico Lewis, that sort of combination. I think they will be stronger for it. And like you say, De Bruyne will come back. Stones will come back later in the season. And immediately that's a, a much stronger system in midfield. So I'm, I'm not sure it's... We're going to see a lot of headlines over the next couple of weeks of how reliant City are on Rodri. Yes, they've lost three in a row, but also I don't think Guardiola played his preferred sort of replacement in any of these games. I think he's tested them out a little bit. No, I think Phillips is probably the biggest loser from it all. Yes. In the, um, well, you spoke to him after the after Forest. Forest game and he was saying, um, you know, what a big week it was for him. And then, <coughs> yeah, not a bad performance against Newcastle, but he is seen as kind of like the man step up when Rodri isn't there. And he yeah. is, you know, still at the England squad because Gareth Southgate thinks he's the best holding midfielder um, in England or English holding midfielder after Declan Rice. And he also can play alongside Rice and bring out, you know, the best in in the team, whereas in City's case, he's getting kept on the bench and perhaps playing an 18-year-old English player ahead of him mm -hmm. who isn't getting in the England squad. So there's a bit of um, jarring, but it's kind of like Rodri is very difficult for one person to replace. Yeah. Because, like, again, like, why wouldn't he be? Like... Um, you know, someone was saying yesterday, like, you can't have two Rodri's in your squad. No. You can't have two Kevin De Bruyne's in your squad. There's a reason why Rodri is Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne is De Bruyne. And I agree with you that Pep will have to bring him back straight away. So it helps Rodri. But you would also like to think that, you know, this guy, one of the captains, one of the five-man leadership group, has had a serious word with himself and seen how the team have played without him to say... I can't be doing stupid things again because everyone loses out when yeah. that happens. Well, after Forest, I think that was the fear, wasn't it? That City got these big games and Arsenal's the third one that he'll miss and yeah, what yeah, are they going to yeah. do? And uh, Guardiola said something about Declan Rice, didn't he, in the build-up that you can't have the two players, really. It was it was along the same lines of what you've just spoken about. He, so he said in... Um, he was asked about Rice and he sort of said, oh, yeah, we, we wanted him for... For when Rodri isn't available, yeah. and he, you know, maybe he wasn't, maybe he was saying he was never going to play unless yeah. Rodri wasn't available. But we had sort of peppered him with questions about how you're going to solve your Rodri problem. So it was that sort of like could just have been that he was um, saying, "Oh well, you're asking me what I'm going to do without Rodri." This guy would have been yeah. perfect. Um, but it's, it's coming down to you can't have two Rodgers. You can't have a £105 million Declan Rice sat on the bench 
wrapped in cotton wool for when Rodri decides to get sent off. It's um, it, it, it's just it's not the kind of sustainable solution for for anyone. So I mean, you know, they got Phillips who they paid forty five million pounds for, and he doesn't seem to be the solution either, which is a problem for player and club. But um, but other than that, it's kind of like. Yeah, there, there isn't really any other solution other than, oh, Rodri's back, which he is. So, and they have to hope that he doesn't get a long-term yeah. injury. But when he does get a long-term injury, or if he gets a long-term injury, the situation should be different in that, you know, John Stones won't be out for the whole period. Kevin De Bruyne won't be out for the whole period. So it, it won't be identical circumstances and they won't be playing the same teams. I think what these games have shown is that exactly as you say City don't have another Rodri or even two players in any position that are identical but what they do have is a lot of players who can play in multiple positions so we know Pep doesn't like hearing that City have two players in every position but they do have more than one option in every position so Alvarez has played in these last four games he's played as a striker on his own he's played behind the striker he's played wide we've had Foden Alvarez and uh, Bernardo all playing on that sort of inside right role Lewis has played right back defensive midfielder number eight number ten at times there's a lot of players who can all move about who move about to suit the system that he wants to play and yeah it's not worked against Arsenal but he's got that sort of system and that team who he can put players in a position to try and hurt the opposition rather than just swap Rodri for Phillips, for example. Yeah, he's not physically got two players for yeah. every position because he's not got 20 outfielders who, you know, 10 of them sit on the bench every yeah. week and, and moan. He's got probably 15, 16 outfielders that can play in multiple positions, like you say. And, I mean, Arteta was speaking about afterwards how, how difficult it is to face City because they're always switching positions and... He spoke the other week, didn't he, about how he played 43 formations against somebody and 36 against <laughs> someone else. So, um, you know, it is constantly changing. I think over the years, as Guardiola has evolved and the team has evolved, you see someone like Bernardo Silva, who goes from playing, you know, multiple positions over the course of the season to multiple over the course of a game. And to go back to like 2018, when uh, City didn't have Fernandinho for a long time, and the, you know, Ilkay Gundogan played in that role, but it wasn't like he played as an eight and a six. He went from an eight to mm -hmm. a six and played as a six. And that was seen as like, oh, great, he can play two roles. Whereas like, you know, Bernardo Silva, who played this game last year at left back, spent most of his time basically in front of the defence yesterday, but then moved out to right wing and then came inside again. So it, we're seeing kind of more... Um, fluidity within games with sort of tactics and positioning and the players like Bernardo and Lewis and Foden and Alvarez who can all do that um, which you would expect will make City better tactically mm -hmm. and then you've got players like Docker who can come off the bench and did well at Leipzig maybe didn't yeah. quite have the effect at Arsenal but, but even it's different tactics as well different yeah, it was a bit of a battering ram against Arsenal, wasn't he, Doku? But he like he started, he made three runs down the right, yeah. didn't get any change, immediately switched <laughs> to the left. It was like fine. Yeah. Like it Doku 
is only coming on and do that, doing that if Guardiola is content to do it and content that mm -hmm. City might lose the ball more than they were doing. And again, he wouldn't be doing that if he wasn't okay with how they were playing. Yeah. And he brings that risk of giving the ball away, but also the reward that we saw against Leipzig. So it's yeah, it's pros and cons, isn't it, of what you want from yeah, the game. He yeah. could have brought on Grealish and... Exactly, yeah. Nil -nil, yeah. But, but Doku so, could have won the game. Yeah, and that is like 25 minutes of risk rather than starting yeah. him and having 65 minutes of risk or starting him and saying, right, well, don't do that until the second half, which is a waste of what you can do. One more player who's got a lot of headlines and I'm sure will over the next couple of weeks with without any games is Erling Haaland. <laughs> no shots. I, I do think his link-up play is getting a lot better. He he dropped deep at Leipzig for that goal on the break and he's he was doing the same and it was very effective against Arsenal last season at, at the Etihad, but it just didn't quite come off for him, did it? No, it didn't. Um, he didn't get anything from Saliba or Gabriel, who both defended very, very well against him. Uh, you kind of need... You need to be physical against him, but you also need to be alert, and, and they were. Um, Haaland, I would say, fits into like the wider narrative of City. Like, if you've watched them over this time, he's not played that well, and like he probably should have double the number of goals he's mm -hmm. got because he's wasted a lot of chances. But there are times and there are games when he's really tightly marked and City are unable to create chances um, but there have also been times where he's missed loads of chances. Um, he, he's played eight games in the league and City have played eight games and he's scored eight goals. So if that is replicated over 38 games, he's scoring 38 goals yeah. and he's breaking his own record by two. So like, yeah, his XG was nothing yesterday and he's not scored in three games in all comps, I think, and one in... Five, but again, if you take it from a wider sense, he's probably going to score loads of goals this season. I think he said, hasn't he, that this season players are double marking him a lot more, which is making it harder. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But he said as well that you know it it frees up space from yeah. the people. And like last season, that was De Bruyne and Gundogan, and this yeah. season they're still working out how to how to be close to him and how to get the runners for him. So, it yeah, it is just... I can see why he makes headlines, but like I'm surprised he scored as many goals as he has because it, the misses stay with you yeah. more, I think. But then you look at it and you're like, oh, eight goals in... Eight, oh, right, two, two more goals than anyone else <laughs> in the league. Right, well, you know, I don't think the fact that he's not scored against Arsenal means that he's going to not score for the rest of the season. He might score fewer goals than yeah. last season. Perfectly possible. It might be worse than last season, but on, you know, rather than sort of take the one-game approach, take the eight-game mm -hmm. approach, and he's scored quite a few. And Guardiola always says, doesn't he? He says, if he's not getting the chances, that's when you worry. And no, he didn't get the chances, but I think you do have to put it in the context of two very good defenders against him and a system that didn't play to his strengths at all and a game that just nobody got any chances. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think back to, uh, we spoke to him before the Champions League final and I think he'd kind of not been in great goal-scoring form then and someone said to him, you know, like, one goal in eight, is it is it a concern? And, uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, 
or 51 goals in 52 games <laughs> and seven assists and you were like right yeah, yeah yeah that is a that is a good way of looking at it yeah and he, he will have times in the season where he's better um and times where he's worse and i think you've just kind of got to roll with it like when he came last season he redefined what we expect from him and from mm -hmm. a goal scorer so he has to live up to those expectations but at the same time like it is still scary the numbers he's he's achieving even when he's not playing well and last season he didn't score against Real Madrid Inter Milan Man United yeah yeah still won yeah. the treble yeah 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 um but he did score against like United at home and scored yeah. three and he scored home and away against Arsenal I saw something saying you know based on yesterday saying how he did score in another big game and it's like he basically scored against everyone yeah. last season he, he didn't score in a few games towards the end of the season and he scored at the Emirates last year when City needed to win yeah 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 um, and he took him apart and, and he's also got some decent assists this season I think he's on two yeah um, but again those kind of don't get spoken of and like say his link up play um, so yeah, in, we're in danger of being like everything is brilliant at Man City, but it's kind of more like a, things are nowhere near as bad as is yeah. being made out. I just fear over the next couple of weeks that <laughs> with no games to write about, that's it's yeah, gonna, yeah. It's, but it's all snowball into yeah. But I remember disaster. in um, 20, 2019, City lost to Wolves before the international break, and they lost two 0 and it was a dreadful performance, and you could tell. City were nowhere near where they needed to be and Guardiola was worried mm -hmm. and there were like so few positives to take from from the performance and like Stones and Otamendi couldn't trust as a centre-back pairing. He didn't have any centre-backs he could use um, and they looked brittle and they were like missing four big chances a game and you thought they're, they're, they're really going to struggle and it was two weeks of kind of doom-mongering and like what's going on and then you look at how they are set up going into this break. And it's not like, oh, remember 99 when we're yeah. in the third division. It's like, just look at how the situation looked and it's pretty good. And I was stood in the mix zone where all the players had to pass us to get the coach and no one understandably wanted to stop, but most of them were in their own clothes and heading off to international duty. And yeah, they can quickly put this behind them, forget about it and come back and and just focus on the, the runner fixtures afterwards and they know it's not the biggest defeat. And if you're going to lose to Arsenal, you do it in October and at yeah. this stage of the season. Yeah, and it, you know, it's a fantastic win for Arsenal. Yeah. They might take loads of confidence from beating City for the first time under Arteta and ending 12 straight league defeats. And, and that might be the thing that they use to go on and win the title. But as of now, with 30 games to go, <laughs> it's still very much in City's hands. And they are better than any other team at knowing how to get over the line. Yeah. Well, there you are. Everything is positive. Nothing to worry about. We will be back after a short break and we'll be discuss discussing something a little bit different to what we normally have a go at. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. By now, we've completely dis discussed the Arsenal game and uh, decided there's no crisis <laughs> at all um, we're going to have a bit of a change of tack now and discuss how we come to uh, player ratings and reports and that sort of thing in a game and I think yesterday's game was quite a good one to 
sort of centre on because <laughs> it was a late goal. Everyone was sort of frantically rewriting what they were doing. And as I mentioned, I was relatively positive and then I had to sort of tone it down a little bit with, with the context. But um, what's that like when there's a late goal and you've got to sort of change tack? Because the goal didn't change the performance, did it, yesterday? No, I would say late goals and sort of certainly goals that change games are usually worse for the report that you're writing yeah. um, than the ratings. But but yesterday's game is a good example because, you know, City lost and they barely created anything. But if you were rating the players on their performances, they were kind of okay. Yeah. I think I gave like sixes and sevens apart from Kovacic, who yeah. got a four. Um, but it's... <sighs> Player ratings are very funny because they are the thing that get the most kind of engagement yeah. and the most anger from people who um, sort of reply to tweets or yeah, you get emails about player ratings from people absolutely furious mm -hmm. that you gave someone a seven instead of a six or yeah. an eight instead of a seven. And there's nothing quite like player ratings for just like causing people to kick off and be abusive and or just or just really angry at the marks you've given. And like, it, it's hard because it's kind of subjective. It's very subjective. Like yeah. I, I tend to start with like everyone on a six. Okay. And because it'd be tempting to start there. with a five because that's middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if I'm doing them, I, I start in a five and if, if you have an okay game and don't do anything wrong, you're on a six. Right, and then okay. if you do something good, what, what? so you start on a six. So I start and if you do okay and don't do anything wrong, yeah. you get a six. Yeah. Um, but even between yeah. us at the same publication, it's um, we have different approaches. Yeah, I'm sure maybe on the United side and like, other papers, you get people giving half marks and yeah, um, things like that. So again, don't do any half marks, just do. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it's also hard to escape your own like built-in expectations of individual players. Yeah, You know, if Erling Haaland's scoring three goals every week, does that, you know, if Kyle Walker had scored three goals, then he'd possibly get a 10. Yeah. But if Haaland's scoring, I feel like Haaland's scored three and he's had eights <laughs> before because it's like... That could be the only the, thing he does in the game. The overall it? performance yeah. and, you know, if he's scored like the fourth, fifth and sixth in a 6 nil win or something or... Um, so, and like, De Bruyne is probably my big weakness, but like when De Bruyne plays, it's just like, <laughs> not my word, he's the best player yeah. on the pitch. But does he get like a nine because he's better than everyone else? Or if he's played like under himself, does he get a five because he's under his own expectations? Yeah. So, But that's it, still better than a lot of other players. But exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I find it very, very hard to balance up those kind of things. I, I also find ratings are a bit reductive in you kind of looking to give people points or take points away. Yeah. So you're like, oh, that was a really good pass, have a mark. Oh, that was like, you know. Um, so Rodri in the Champions League final is a brilliant example yeah. 
what mark would you give Rodri out of 10? Because he had an awful performance. Yeah, he didn't play well. No, but he scored the goal that has won <laughs> City their most important game. So what mark do you give him? I think I, I think I gave him a seven, but I said in my score like it would have been a four. Yeah. Um, so it, it you are just, it is a bit of just kind of like maths of like, and ticking boxes like, well, yeah, that's good, that's bad, that's Edison makes a save seven, Edison makes a blunder five. Um, and for that, uh, and also with City, they never tend to be terrible. No. Like, what's the lowest you've given? Like, what, what constitutes a, a one or a two? Because you've got to be. Yeah, see, to be see, I don't know if I've given a one. No. Maybe a two for a red card. Yeah. You know, I, I was off for the um, the Forest game. I probably would have given Rodri a two. Yeah. Um, but because that's the sort of incident that overshadows the whole. Yeah. The whole performance. Yeah, you can and have like, a good game before that, but yeah, and you when know, you do something as stupid as that. Yeah, like Kovacic got a four. He was he was completely fine for like sixty-seven minutes of the sixty-eight yeah. he was on. But those two stupid things were like they really could have cost. Sitting that, regardless of the fact that he didn't get sent off, was like those were mm -hmm. stupid. Um, I remember the first one I did was Brighton away just before the Champions League final, and City won the league, and it was just about players trying to get into the thing. Yeah, yeah. Cancelo gets sent off ten minutes into the game. He's not yeah. done anything. But it was a harsh red, I seem to think. Was it? It was, but I was right up at the top, and it, it looked like it just hacked him down or yeah. like tripped him up. So I was thinking, this is the first time I'm doing ratings. Am I going to give someone like a one or a two? Because the only thing they've done is got sent off. And luckily you guys were saying like, you could see the replay, I couldn't. You were like, no, it's, it was a harsh red card. So it's, but that, that was a harder one to do because especially when he got sent off so early. Yeah. It was yeah, a difficult yeah. one to assess. You've literally done kind of nothing yeah. well, have you? Um, but yeah, no, you are right that they're the, the and the little comments you make, you make in, in your rating to justify it, get picked up, don't they? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other um, thing to add is that kind of usually because they're for on the whistle, yeah. we tend to get them ready for like five minutes before yes. the end um, so that we can concentrate on the report and everything else. Um, so generally, they're kind of like 85 minutes worth of ratings. <laughs> so the last five minutes, yeah. what they do, sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes someone might, Edison might make a few late saves and you have to remember to bump him up. I got a very angry email the other week because I'd missed off Sergio Gomez getting an assist. Shocking. Um, that must have been the full <laughs> game because he, he'd like come on and not done very much, but yeah. then he'd um, obviously got an assist in injury time and it's like, right. Uh, well, I was ready to give Docu and Alves a, a six each in Leipzig <laughs> and then they'd get a goal and assist each. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's things like that. And I'm not saying like, oh, we uh, don't do our jobs properly, yeah. but it it is one of those things where sometimes things get missed. And the amount of focus there is on ratings from people reading it is probably disproportionate to the amount of time we spend on ratings yeah. just because it is just like a mark. Um, and we don't have the time after the game to, in an ideal world, we would to go back yeah. and like, with a sort of fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, when yeah. there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but it upsets fans sometimes it upsets players it's like just you 
there are a few there are a few games where I watch it back and I think yeah that was wrong yeah. or that was wrong or that was wrong um but also most of the time when people are disputing them they're either sort of biased because they're family members or friends or whatever or they're only like a point out yeah and you sort of think let's let's all be friends let's not it does seem to take a lot more prominence than we yeah. think it does yeah 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 absolutely yeah and you know i remember like you know growing up reading the paper and seeing like what marks everyone was yeah was getting and you know they're obviously displayed prominently um in the paper so it, it's it, it is a it is a a big thing and it's you know it's the first thing we put out after mm -hmm. um a whistle so it's like the first thing people see of like how we've seen the game yeah um so it has to be you know accurate to the to the best of of your ability but um but it is hard to judge and like you say giving four or five sevens after a one nil defeat might sound yeah. daft but city in particular have a way of sort of playing quite well even when they lose and again you could say well they always play well so that should be a five or a six and then if they lose you mm -hmm. take them off but it, it's kind of like just because they've lost it shouldn't that shouldn't define the individual performances and the the ones that get disputed either online or in person or whatever it's only ever one or two isn't it like the majority everyone sees the same game yeah 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 and someone might have said oh well Kovacic didn't get sent off so and he didn't play too badly and kept his head afterwards so is that a six but then you think yeah someone else would probably yeah. say it was a two yeah so it, they yeah they I don't enjoy ratings <laughs> In that sense, yeah. because there is a lot of sort of discussion over not very much. I, I've made the mistake of replying to someone on Twitter about a rating they didn't like. And after a couple of back and forth, they said, oh, well, it's only a game of opinions, isn't it? <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, you, you want to see, you want to see the game as everyone else does. Yeah. And you don't want to look kind of, like you have watched a different game yeah you're not trying to be contrarian and no no well, actually you did have a good game when yeah yeah you can see yeah. the three on goals yeah exactly exactly so um yeah i will i don't know about you i will kind of sort of fill in as i go along but mm -hmm. try and kind of get a rough idea around um I have a quick think at half time and then it's usually between 70 and 80 minutes when yeah. I sort of commit. I think that's fair, yeah. I, 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 I will write what I think is happening around maybe 50, 60 minutes and yeah. then that's obviously first half heavy and then things can change and you've got to sort of take out a few things but ultimately you get it generally right don't you and yeah reflective of the game but then you also write in a lot more in the second half than you are in the first half because we've got these on the whistle pieces that we've got to fight also yeah and, and I also sort of because I'm writing down actions because it yeah. is quite um arbitrary mm -hmm. I, I'm always conscious that like I've always got like loads of first half did this in the yes. first half yeah, did this yeah. in the, and you want to make sure that you get kind of the full picture which yeah. is why I sort of 
usually push it a bit later. Um, but it's hard to get, if you've written down something from the first half, yeah. it, you, do, you don't often want to kind of get rid of that almost. So hopefully we've got people <laughs> off our back now because it is just an opinion. And yes. it's, uh, if someone scores a hat-trick in the last five minutes, then yes, they'll get a good mark, but yeah yeah and if there's a if there's kind of an omission from a mark or rain it's probably due to incompetence of not sorting it at the end rather than uh just being just like trying to ignore that erling Haaland has scored another goal or something like that and again yesterday's a good example because five minutes from time we have to completely change it everything we're doing because the entire story's changed Yes, yeah, yeah. And and when that happens, you sort of think, oh dear. <laughs> but it, but, but, it, but it, it does make you think because you think, well, do they still deserve yeah. these scores if they're losing the, yeah. losing the game? Yeah, a solid performance turned into like, well, maybe should they have done more yesterday? Yeah, yeah, Although yeah. City are good for often getting the game knocked up on 60 minutes and we can... Yeah, see, I would say my ratings were a lot more positive at full time than they were at half time. Yeah. Because half time came after sort of 20 minutes of Arsenal dominating the game. A sort of a bright start had been wiped out by it looked like Arsenal were well on top. Whereas by the end, you're like, oh, actually, both teams have had Mm -hmm. um, spells of momentum. And it's beat, like we said, it was a nil nil game basically with a goal. So you'd sort of like. City's plan was all right and the performances were all right in order to get what was set to be a draw at Arsenal. Um, and you sort of have that in mind as well because, like, you know, marking them against Arsenal is different from marking them against, like, Oldham. You know, if they've... If a lot of Oldham hate A lot of Oldham, yeah, podcast. yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> in, incorporating the teams of the area. Um, so... It's, yeah, there is that involved, but um, yeah, you were sort of conscious that results should not be kind of the the be all and end all while at the same time adding points on for events that get results. I suppose ratings are for performances and your report is about the overall story and the the performance and I mean if you've enjoyed this chat about ratings then let us know because we can we'll talk about reports that's <laughs> week. yeah we can we can let you know about what <laughs> what goes into the mindset and uh how we don't actually see much of the second half because we're our heads are in our laptops but yeah let us know and uh keep watching the Talking City podcast we'll be back throughout the international break where City won't be playing but a lot of their players will be on international duty and hopefully when they come back they'll have an almost fully fit squad um, follow us at the usual places Facebook Twitter whatever it's called manchestereveningnews.co.uk uh, we've got 6,000 followers on TikTok and nearly 5,000 on YouTube so if we can get to that 5,000 on YouTube uh, drop us a, a follow and a subscribe and whatever you need to do and uh, we'll be very much uh, appreciated for that and uh, yeah we'll be back shortly with another Talking City but for now uh, thanks for joining us and we'll be back soon